The American dream inspires many, but it's not without its flaws. The reality is people experience workforce discrimination in many forms. It's time to open our eyes and have challenging yet enlightening conversations. It's not always easy, but we need to start in order to make a difference. That conversation begins here. Welcome to the Untapped Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Untapped Podcast. I'm your co-host, Emmett, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jeremy. This evening, we are thrilled to introduce Tree, a retired Army First Sergeant who is now a real estate agent doing residential, commercial, real estate investment, and property management. Tree will be sharing his stories of discrimination within the military and in his transition to the civilian workforce. Tree, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. First things first, as we always do, give us a short background of your career and take us from there. So I entered the uh, military in uh, 1989. I joined as a, what they called a light wheel vehicle mechanic. And from there on, I just was stationed at multiple duty stations in the United States and overseas. Had some very, very good duty stations, very good leadership who really set me on a a glide path, what we call in the Army, a glide path for success. Uh, And because of the leadership, because of the mentorship, being a, you know, and I always refer to myself as a knucklehead from Brooklyn, New York, I was able to take a lot of the mentorship, a lot of the knowledge and experience and have a very successful career. Again, like I said, I've been stationed believe like 14 different duty stations. I've been around, been around and end up retiring in 2013 uh, with 24 years in service. And I retired as a first sergeant. All right. Very impressive. So within that 24 year career, what kinds of discrimination did you experience while being in the military? So you have to understand that in the military, and I did not realize this really till I retired out of the military and got into the civilian workforce, right? Because going in the Army straight out of high school, the Army is all I knew, right? The discrimination really came clear to me as I thought back, right, how it can be masked in the military, meaning that as you are you know, jockeying for certain positions, right? Again, your glide path, we had a map, right? And that map told us, hey, in order to climb the ladder of success, here are certain positions that you should have, right? In certain levels of education, military education, civilian education, you should have to be very competitive. Now, we don't really apply Like in the civilian sector, you apply for a job, right? We don't apply for certain positions. However, you do need to know the right people in order to get to the door and have a conversation, interview with certain individuals, right? Our, uh, we did not have to submit a resume, but our evaluations was our resume. So where the discrimination come in, some individuals, 
they would use the buddy, uh, not the buddy system, is what we call the good boy system, good old boy system. They would put their friends, people that they know in these positions that they are not qualified for. Or Jack will call Jim and say, hey, I'm trying to find Craig a position. And Craig is not qualified. So it's masked. So it does not appear to be racial, if you will, for you not to be discriminated against. So they'll circumvent that issue and find ways to give these uh, individuals certain positions, certain jobs. And because they were able to get those jobs, you'll find them getting promoted while you're still struggling. You're doing everything you're supposed to do. And they will, you know, get selected for promotion while you still trying to handle your business, right? So discrimination in the military is not out in the forefront, is not out in your face. But there are certain systems and levels in the Army that help individuals mask the discrimination, if you will. And, it's, and it makes it easier for them to really get away with it. Now, you, you must also let me make something clear that depending on your job, like, like for instance, if you're an infantryman, uh, field artillery, those jobs, what we call combat arms. So you're going to have every ethnicity in those particular jobs, but no women. So you don't have to worry about them discriminating against uh, gender because it's nothing but men. But combat arms type of MOSs are heavily populated with Caucasian white men. What's an MOS? So MOS stands for Military Occupation Specialty. So when you hear a soldier say MOS, that is saying, hey, what is your job? Like, I don't know what you do. I know Jay Neal, he's in the IT profession or industry, I should say. So Jay Neal, he'll have what they call identifier, the MOS. And it might be like, I can't remember what IT is in the Army, but it might be like 25 Bravo. That is his MOS. So that's how we communicate when they say, hey, well, what's your MOS? And when you drop out 25 Bravo, 63 Bravo, 11 Bravo, a lot of times just by hearing your code, oh, so you do this. Oh, you do that. You see what I'm saying? So that's what MOS. So those particular types of MOS are heavily saturated with white guys. So who's at the top? White guys. Now, will you have some black? Yes, you will. But those are definitely the minority of the minority. So it's hard for, again, depending on your job, it is hard for blacks, Hispanics, uh, Asians, and, and people in those type of categories to climb the ranks because who's actually looking out for you to help? When you say that it's hard and it seems like it's a little bit difficult to climb the ranks, so that kind of goes into that next question. How has your experience and your perspective within the hiring processes as far as the military, you know, what are your feelings about that? Man, so the system is not perfect because it is left down to down to the lower level, right? Who they, they will pick to put in certain jobs. It's not 
Department of the Army, depending on your rank. But the higher rank you go, the more the Department of the Army will get involved in where you're going to be stationed and what type of jobs you will have. But when you're lower enlisted, let, let me put it to you like this. There's a big separation between enlist, enlisted and officers. And this is one of the problems in the Army. Again, I'm only speaking for the Army. When an officer comes into the military, rather as I straight out of West Point, ROTC out of college, once they enter into the Army as a second lieutenant, their glide path is already planned out for them. As a second lieutenant, well, you're the lowest lieutenant there is. Then you'll get promoted in a certain amount of time to first lieutenant. And by the time you get to captain, you should be looking to become a company commander or taking a job at the battalion or brigade level, three levels above you, to be an OIC, officer in charge. But eventually, you'll get to become a company commander as long as people like you, as long as you fit in. That's the officer side. On the enlisted side, it's a little different because it's a lot more of us, a lot more sergeants, right? And this is where it gets tricky. You become what they call an NCOIC, non-commissioned officer in charge, but guess who's above you? that second lieutenant or that first lieutenant. And so see now, because of your MOS specialty, you're gonna have certain jobs that, hey, this is the only thing that you can do. So you have to make sure that you definitely have to handle your business, take care of your business, become the subject matter expert. Why? So you could get a good evaluation. You get good evaluation, that leads towards promotion. It leads towards promotion. It sets you up to go for other jobs that's outside of your MOS. I don't want to get too deep with it, but I also want to answer the question and make everyone understand once again how there's so many layers of trying to climb the ladder of success, but how discrimination can play in your glide path. I'm going to ask a follow-up question to this. You talked about sub subject matter experts, and that's something that we've talked about with previous podcasts that we've actually had. So what do you feel is more important, a subject matter expert or a true leader? Good question. Um, because you can have a, sub, I mean, a true leader that's dumbed in a box of rocks, but that true leader, true leader, born leader, will understand that I don't have to be the smartest person in the room. I just need to make sure that people that work for me, they're smart. And understanding that, and this is one of the things that the, I learned that, that the civilian sector just don't get. A true leader will always remember that I have subordinates that work for me. But guess what? I work for my subordinates as well. That's what a true leader is, right? Now, when you say 
a subject matter expert, you can have a subject matter expert that is outstanding at their job, but they'll get lost if you put them inside of a paper bag. They cannot lead nobody nowhere. They are afraid to be the bad guy. They don't have the intestinal fortitude to do what's right, to say what's right, to get your soldiers to do what's right. But when it comes to your job, comes to their job, they'll blow you away. So transitioning now, what is your take on how the civilian sector workforce and the military are responding to current events? So in the military, in the army, we have this unwritten rule. We don't talk politics and we don't talk religion because, like I said, it's an unwritten rule, but we don't talk about those subjects because it can disrupt the, the workplace, right? Everybody has an opinion which you're entitled to. So see, now, if you start talking politics or religion, somebody is bound to get their feelings hurt. And because you believe in this, I believe in that, it can cause friction because now we don't agree. So now how can we be as one team because I'm going to hold this over your head because you simply believe in this over here. And because I don't believe in what you believe in, we can't find no commonality. This is why there's a big problem with politics. I hate politics. I never, ever let my soldiers talk politics. It will divide you as you see what's going on in the country. Now, in the military, you deal with people from all walks of life. I literally remember being in basic training and my drill sergeant teamed me up with a white guy from Nebraska. Now, when you look at him, and like I said, it's 1989, both of us coming straight out of high school. This guy literally could have been a, start, uh, a starting lineman on a D1 college, if not NFL, right off the bat at 18 years old. That's how big this guy was. I came out of high school, I'm 5'9", weighing 165, 170 pounds of lean, mean, fighting damn machine. But that white guy was afraid of me. This dude had to be 6'4", 6'5", 250 easy, coming out of high school. But he was afraid of me. You want to know why? Because he never, ever encountered a black person before until he got to basic training. Came from a small town in Nebraska where they played nine-man football, 9-11. That's how small his school was. When he did leave his town, it was just to go to the town next over or two towns just to play football, right? He's back home. So our drill sergeant paired us together because we're from two different worlds. And come to find out, by the time we graduated basic training, we were, I'm not going to say we was the best of friends, but we were cool because we spent a lot of time together talking, just trying to get to understand each other. So that's one of the things the military can help with racial tension is because at the end of the day, there are people who do not like blacks. There are blacks who do not like whites. 
There are Hispanics who don't like blacks. But when you go to war, when you go to war, the one thing that we none of us like is dying. Nobody want to die. Nobody want to get hurt. So when you get in the thick of things, I'm no longer black. I'm green. You're no longer white. You're green. You're no longer Hispanic. You're green. So the military forces us to get along. It forces us to get along. Is the uh, division still there? Of course. You want to know why? Because when we get off work, I may not go hang out with you, but I'm going to go hang out with a bunch of black people. You're going to go hang out with a bunch of white people. You're going to go hang out with, with a bunch of Hispanics. You're going to go hang out with people that you have a commonality with. I'm not going to lie. I've had plenty of barbecues at my house and one not one person other than black there. That's just how it is. It doesn't make me racist, but that's just how it is. But when we came back to work, hey, let's go get it. In the civilian sector, it's like you do have a choice. You tell me what job forces you to like the other person, to get along with the other person. What job in the civilian sector really, you see the difference. You see the difference, right? Because in the civilian sector, you go home every night. In the military, you may not go home every night, especially when you're deployed. You, we sleep together. We eat together. We laugh together. Sometimes we cry together. But damn it, we will fight together when the rounds start flying, when the bombs start going off. There's two colors you will see. Green, because you're looking for a friendly face that's a soldier. And it might be gray because that's dust flying all over the damn place. So when it comes to the racial tension in the, uh, uh, in the United States of today, it does bother me. But I'm not surprised when I see a lot of ex-soldiers that was at the Capitol on that day. I'm not surprised. Why? Because, again, in the military, you're forced to suppress all that negativity and evilness. If you bring it to the service, you bring it out, yeah, you're going to find yourself in a world of trouble. Just imagine me as your leader, your supervisor, and you come to work with, with a rebel flag on your vehicle. What kind of conversation you, you think that we're going to have? Not a pleasant one. Not a pleasant one. And do you think it's going to be a two-way or one-way conversation? <laughs> so it behoove you to take all this negativity and all that good stuff and suppress it. Hide it. Do whatever you want to do on the weekends or when you get off with whoever. Don't bring it to work. That is the difference that I see in the civilian sector and the military, right? But the bad thing about it is, hey, in the civilian sector, let hey. Come and work with a rebel flag on your truck so I know where you stand with me. So I know I should always keep you in front of me and keep my eyes on you. Where's my desk compared to your desk? And if your desk is on the side or behind me, damn it, I'm moving so I can always keep you in front of me. Let me know how you feel. Bad thing in the military is because you suppress, you will laugh, you will smile as if we're cool. But in your mind, you saying, I'd rather knock this blackie out. Who are you to tell me what to do? And all I do is look down at my chest, then look at your chest and ask you, hey, ask that damn question again. 
But if you want to take this off, we can. And I'll prove you a different way who I am. So that is the difference between the civilian sector and the military sector. So one of our fraternity brothers had a recent interview while he's overseas in Japan. and They talked about two worlds. And one side of it is you in uniform. The other side of you is when you're outside of uniform. What type of discrimination did you experience with that? So I don't know if I should mention, I used to work at a university here prior to me going into real estate full time. And prior to that, I used to work at a particular truck stop that is nationally, nationally known. And at this particular truck stop, I was the only black manager. I was assistant general manager. And in this particular area, there were no other managers, no other black managers. Everybody was white, right? So I, that's where I ran into a lot of discrimination in the civilian sector once I got out of the military because I was the only black manager. And it was not well received when I was hired. Here I am with 24 years of maintenance experience. Here I am with a college education. So I was able to negotiate a higher salary. And a lot of my peers who were managers did not like that. And I, I've heard this, this particular mechanic, white guy, nobody knew that he was married to a black lady. So people are talking reckless around him. Why? Because he's white. They think he's a good old boy too. But he never told anybody that he was married to a black woman. So when they was talking about me, using the N words towards me, he was getting offended by it. Told me, watch your back. There's a lot of people around here who don't like you. Watch your back. I wasn't used to that. I didn't experience that in the military. Is it was it there evident? Yes, it was. Did I personally experience uh, discrimination in the military? I can honestly say not enough that it had a, a big impact on me. When I transitioned over to particularly university that I was working at, right? Different environment, different setting. Never experienced any type of discrimination there. What I experienced though was glass ceiling, do just enough, fake it till I make it type mentality. But if you start throwing out ideas of how things could be better, now you become a threat. So now it's hard to progress, move forward, anything like that. But when it comes to racial discrimination, yeah, I experienced it transition into the civilian sector, but not as much in, in the military. Gotcha. With a lot of the companies, of course, we got diversity, equity, and inclusion. And that's something that's being talked about. You can see it everywhere. Now you have the companies out here, they're making all these changes. So what do the companies need to do beyond their current efforts to promote diversity in the workplace? Because I'm curious to see if they're going to keep this same energy that they're keeping right now. My, my thought on that is I've always wondered in corporate America and when we have issues with 
police killing innocent, innocent black men, innocent black women. And the first thing that everybody want to run in, run into is more training. So I sit back and I ask myself, or I think may think out loud sometimes is why did you get to a tragedy or someone filing a complaint for you, Mr. CEO, Mr. President, Mrs. President, Mrs. CEO, to all of a sudden now feel like you need to add more training. Why? Why does it have to go there, right? In the military, in the army, I should say, one of the best, one of the things that a brand new company commander should do when they take over their company is what we call a, a climate survey. Send out a survey to all the soldiers that's in a, a company and just get their thoughts. What do you think is going good with the company? What do you think is going bad with the company? What should change? What is your ideas to make us better? When I think about stuff like that, and corporate America adopt the same thing. If you truly, truly want to improve your operations of the company, if you truly want to improve the diversity in the company, why aren't you doing that? Or are you doing it? And are you listening to your employees? So that's some of the things that I just simply think about when I see all this. You know, if you if you really truly want to improve make improvements in your company, don't wait till a tragedy happen. Don't wait for someone to, to, to go to the news or get on social media and air out your dirty laundry. And now you got a backpedal. Now you want to try to save face and say, well, we're going to change how we hire things. If you truly dedicated to improve the diversity in your company, just don't put a plan in place. And then once the spotlight is off you, it fizzles away. It's hard to police yourself, right? This is why when you, when, when you have excessive use of force type of situations and that police department say, well, we're conducting a full and thorough investigation. Who? who who's conducting that investigation? You? So you're going to investigate yourself. Okay, yeah, let's see how that turned out. Yeah. So if a lot of these corporations, if corporate America is really truly, they, they can partner with a lot of uh, individuals out of the military, have them come in and again, scrub it. You know, in the army, the army definition of leadership. And again, this is something that I learned a long time ago and it will always be with me is a leader in the army, the definition is the ability to get a soldier to accomplish the mission by providing purpose, direction, and motivation. You provide a soldier that, they'll get it done. Because that's all they need, purpose, direction, and motivation. Hey, I want your skill set. I'm going to hire you for your skill set. I'm going to compensate you for the skill set. Now go execute. So I think that's one of the things that corporate America could do. Give your employees, right? If, it, if they already got that purpose, 
Are you really providing thorough direction? And where's their motivation? Listen to them. Now, are you going to have people who just going to be whining and crying because the coffee is cold? Of course you are. Are you going to have people complaining because y'all using one ply instead of two ply toilet tissue? Of course you are. <laughs> you know? That was a good one. That's a good analogy. <laughs> but I'm talking about the people who identify a problem and have a solution with that problem. Because those are the people that if you think about it, those are the people right now are emotionally invested in what they do and in the company. Those who complain about not having enough office supplies, you're not invested. So that that's that's my answer to that. Why uh, corporate America, law enforcement definitely can learn from some of our best practices in the military. Agreed. So we're in our wrap up phase, of course. So how can Untap play a role in fighting against discrimination? not only in the military, but also in the civilian workforce. So you guys are providing a platform for people to speak freely, right? Like for instance, me, I definitely could speak freely. Why? What are the repercussions? I'm no longer in uniform. So I don't, I'm not worried about someone in uniform in the military, see this, see this podcast or this interview and then take issues with it. I'm not in corporate America, right? But I will also say that Untap can tap in, tap people that's currently serving and to the people that's deep into corporate America because they live it every day. Now, as a realtor, do I deal with discrimination? At times I do. But luckily for me, I guess it's because of my dis- disposition it's not out front, but when I read between the lines, yeah, they didn't want to work with me because I was black. If I call you and we have a good conversation on the phone, we set up a meeting, and then when I visit your home, we have a good meeting, and, and initially I came to do an appointment because I'm going to list your house to sell your house. I have all the documents, all the information that is required to give you the best information you need. We have a good meeting. When I leave that meeting, I get the impression we had a good meeting. I can't get you on the phone no more. You're not replying to any of my emails. I'm gonna let that marinate for a minute. When I left your house, it was, and like I said, I, Go by tree. I don't like using my first name, but hey, I'm trying to earn your business. So if you call me James, if you call my first name, I'm going to reply. James, I appreciate you coming by. I am so glad that we met. Thank you for all the information. My husband and I or my wife and I, we're going to take all this information in and we'll be in touch. But I really, really do appreciate you coming by. Right. That's my last feedback. You showing me through the house, you walking me through, and you actually making me feel welcome. Can I get you something to drink? It's hot outside. I just baked some fresh cookies just for the meeting. Would you like some cookies? No, what I like is your business so I could buy my own damn cookies. <laughs> so everything is fine. 
I leave the house. My do-outs, I take my notes, and if I have any do-outs that I owe you, I get that information, I email it to you, and I text you, sir, ma'am, please check your email. The do-outs, the information that you asked for that I did not have is waiting in your inbox. I don't even get a thank you. Appreciate it. I do a follow-up with you in about two days. Silence. How do I take that? What am I to think? What could it be? So, so yes, discrimination is live and well in real estate. It'll be foolish of me to think that it's not live and well in any industry. It is. It definitely is. What you guys can do is continue to grow this platform, right? Continue to tap in those who really have knowledge, wisdom, and what they can bring to your podcast. That's what you guys can do to bring, to continue to bring the problem. And I think the other thing is because what you guys are doing, you're trying to keep it alive and not let it die down. But no matter what, we just can't prevent the ignorance that's out there. It's there, you know, it's there. I, quick story, uh, I helped one of my frat brothers purchase a land out in, well, you're not here in Texas. We got another city here called Lavernia. Okay. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah, see? It's country out there. And he looked at a house. Uh, Here's an interesting thing. He's black. His wife is white. Showing him a house. When we pulled up, we looked out. Quiet neighborhood. Everybody garage doors down. We walk in the house. Look at the house. As we walk out, across the street, the neighbor across the street, now he has his garage doors up. And what do we see on the wall of the garage doors? Rebel flags. Is that a coincidence? Or was that a message? We don't know. Don't know. Me, I'm going to take it as a message. Right? It's just... It's just stuff that we deal with. And when I go that deep to show property, I don't know who I'm going to encounter. So when I go do a an appointment and I don't know who I'm engaging, I ring the doorbell and I step away from the door. I, I mean, I'm not the biggest dude, right? But I'm not a small guy. And again, even with a mask on, people tell me, even with a mask on, just looking at my eyes, I'm a serious looking guy. So not to impose any threat on anybody, because I don't know who's on the other side of that door. I step back and I wait for you to motion to ask me to enter into your home. There have been times where when I show up, they see that I'm a black guy. And for 40 to 40 minutes to an hour, we have a conversation right there at the door. And I'm not in it. They won't allow me to enter in their home. How do I take that? And it's 99 degrees outside, Texas heat. And I'm talking to you in 99 degrees. This is last year with a mask on my face. So now my own damn breath is killing me because I'm hot. 
but I got to remain professional because this is my profession. So it's just something that we have to have to deal with. But the good thing is all money is not good money. If I don't have a good feeling, I can simply walk away from that money. That's a beautiful thing about being a realtor. You know, we are free agents. We're independent contractors. So you just have to judge the potential clients that you're working with. But then on the flip side of that, shoot, it, there have been times where I was like, yeah, they're ain't, they not going to call me back. They're not going to want to work with me. And they called me back the next day. Hey, how can we move forward? And they were white. So what legacy within the workforce would you like to leave behind? You know, um, that, that, that's, that's something that personally me, I don't think about because I'm a man of action. My intent is to provide you the best service possible. So I don't worry about legacy. My legacy will take care of itself. There will come a time where uh, my time is up on this planet. So in the workforce, amongst friends, uh, amongst family members, I guess my, my legacy will be a tree definitely walked to the beat of his own drum. He did it his way, may not be, may not have been the best way, but he did it his way, which allowed him to provide the best that he could. The one thing about me is I'ma give you, I'ma give you 1000% authenticity. A hundred is not enough for me. So whatever you ask, understand, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it, but you know it's gonna be legit. I think in the workforce, that's what my legacy, if I had to think about it, that's what it's going to be. Dude was no joke. But when he did joke, as you saw earlier, but when he when he is joking, he could joke with the best of them. Right. But when it's time to get down to business, that's the dude I want on my team right there. I love it. Well, Tree, once again, thank you so much for your, your time this evening. Really appreciate it and all of your insight, a lot of great feedback from you. Anything else, final thoughts, things that you'd like to promote before we wrap up? Well, my, like I said, as I shared earlier, as far as my thought, now that I had an opportunity to participate on the podcast, I like uh, the subject, right? But this is a very, very important subject for, I would say, average individuals such as ourselves to have. Let's talk to the average real individuals who experience this stuff, right? The real individuals who have something to say. Let's just talk to the American people. Who are they? You, me. Your podcast is allowing the average, what we call the average Joe, the average Jane, have their freaking voice. And I hope you guys get it, find that opportunity to make this grow and get bigger so it can reach out to more people. Now, my last plug is, hey, if y'all need any real estate services, hey, here with First Real Estate, we're here for you. 726-999-0455. Get at me. Let me know what you need. 
That is Hero First Real Estate, 726-999-0455. Hero First Real Estate. Your dreams, my goals, our success. That's my motto. Hey, love it. Business mentality all the time. Every opportunity is an opportunity. And you never know. Fantastic. Yeah. We want to be able to promote you and promote your business as much as you know, we want you to promote us. And we appreciate yeah. that. So I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah. So in closing, thank you to all of our listeners for attending our podcast this evening. Thank you again, Tree, for your time. And we will see you all next time. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And we'd be honored if you would review us wherever you listen to our podcast. We are actively looking for people of color to send us their resumes and career aspirations. So please log on to untappedrecruiting.com to learn more.